Sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. They're kooky and they're spooky. It's time to cross to the other side. Welcome to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Welcome spooksters, welcome parastalkers, grand poobars and paralurkers to tonight's show. Oh boy, have we got yet another cracker for you. What have you got, Renata? Um, I have a story about a, a very infamous uh, paranormal hotel or a hotel that has had a lot of paranormal activity in Texas and it's burnt down. So this is the second week in a row where a allegedly haunted site has burnt down. My question is, do the ghosts know something that we don't? They're burning the world to the ground. Oh. And I have a Yowie story. Which is really strange because I too have a Yowie story. But my Yowie story is this week's Wayne the Bin Chicken story. So this is our ghost writer. And this is where I took some elements from what people suggested to us last week. uh, And I have combined it together to create a little bit of a synopsis, a plot, so to speak. And we will do the the, the Yowie story uh, in the second half of the show, but just to give you a taste so that uh, anyone who's just watching us on Facebook at the moment will just have to come across and have a listen. So this is the synopsis, and then the ghost writer will take over. Paranormal investigators Renata and Anne have been called to deal with a mystery in Tamworth. There have been sightings of what is a possible Yowie that locals have named Karen. It seems that Karen the Yowie has developed an attraction to photos of Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Wherever there is a poster of Scott Morrison, you will find weird scratches and the smell of urine and feces, which is a sign that a Yowie wants to mate. Renata and Anne swing into action and deal with the alleged Yowie as Scott Morrison is planning to make a visit to the town of Tamworth in just three days. So that is the synopsis. And then Renata hasn't seen what happens after that, but I am no longer responsible after that opening statement. That's all I'm going to say. Right. Right. So can I start off with my news of the week now? Why not? Okay. All right. I may interrupt you, but that's nothing unusual. That's quite all right. I'm used to that. So this comes from El Paso in Texas. El Paso. um, It starts off by saying, a fire at the DeSoto Hotel in El Paso on Friday damaged the crown jewel of paranormal in Texas, according to the paranormal investigator Colin Brown. Oh, Colin. Colin. Colin knows all about that. So the hotel not only was the subject of paranormal investigations, but also frequented by visitors on ghost tours. We'd go. We would. I just wanted to cry, said Paula Overstreet, who has been given uh, who has given ghost tours at the hotel since 2017. I felt like I was punched in the gut because I'm like there's no way they can save this, and there have been so many good memories in the building. Brown, who is from Austin, visited the historic hotel on January the 25th to film a movie documenting the so-called spooky happenings there. We recorded, you know, a lot of really strange things in the building just a week ago. 
that were happening to us. And then to see that it's burning right now is, it's like the finale of this chapter that we opened up. It's really strange, said Browen. Overstreet said that she too experienced strange happenings at the hotel. Cool things that we have experienced as a team we haven't ever encountered anywhere else and it's just gone. It's devastating, absolutely devastating, Overstreet says. Browen said that when he visited the hotel, he saw some damage inside, but nothing that concerned him too much. We just felt like this is, you know, an old historic building with a dark history and a dark side, he said. There is nothing that I noticed that would have set off a fire. There were no people in the building that I know could have started the fire. There was nothing that stuck out. Video that Browen took from inside the hotel showed a hole in the ceiling and debris on the floor. (coughs) Browen said that he spoke with Leon Baker, who rented out the basement level of the hotel. Browen said that Baker showed him around the hotel and told him about the alleged fire and death that happened there in the past. Browen even claimed that satanic rituals were reported to have happened in the hotel. Jeez, there seems to be a lot of satanic rituals, doesn't there? I know, they happen everywhere. Everywhere you go. It's a very, very long history, but when we were in there, we just felt off, said Browen. It was the KFC that eaten the night before. I'm not going to jump to conclusions and say that that's obviously, you know, a demon setting the building on fire because I, don't know if you've I eaten, would sound if crazy. You've eaten, if you've eaten KFC the night before, it could be a demon. <laughs> the hotel was also featured on season 15 of the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures. Oh. Officials are still working to determine what caused the fire and assess the damage. Both Browen and Overstreet agree that fire was a devastating loss for the city. I will say it really, really saddens me to see that such an integral part of El Paso history is being lost. The building has long had a reported history of being haunted and has been the site of many paranormal investigations. El Paso locals speak in hushed tones of the history's haunted history, or the hotel's haunted history, and many say you get a strange feeling just by looking at it. (sighs) Others say that if you walk through its hallways with a partner, it's not uncommon to feel the strange sensation of someone passing between you, even if you're the only ones there. Does that mean we have to walk down the hallway holding hands and see if somebody tries to push past us? Yeah. Ew. The darkness that resides within the basement would have to be the exact opposite. There are stories and theories that are bound to explain the true nature of the dark entity that hides within the dark confines of the basements. Some say that it is a restless spirit that doesn't know how to control its anger, while others speculate that it might be something truly demonic. Of course, it's got, if the ghost adventures have been there, it's got to be demonic. Whether its origins and intents are... Whatever its origins and intents are, there's no denying the violence this thing is capable of. Local tales speak of a history of satanic worship occurring in the basement of the DeSoto, and while the satanic panic has historically been shown to be overblown, it may have some merit in this particular case. People passing through the basement of the DeSoto have reported tales of feeling watched and entirely unwelcome when inside. So well, that's how- a big stretch from having a satanic attack. Yes, and, and demonic. Uh, you know, it's definitely demonic there because they feel like they're being I'm, watched. I'm, I'm feeling strange. How is that a demonic thing? I feel like I'm being watched all the time. It's because I'm charging my phone next to my bed and that's the EMF coming off it. 
Or my husband staring at me yeah. in the night going, oh, that's, that's creepy. <laughs> that's creepy. That would be bad enough on its own if it weren't for its tendency to attack people who've gone into its domain. People who've wandered the basement have reported feeling of, uh, feelings of being pinched, hit, scratched and even bitten by this unseen entity. Well, they're in their space. They just want to be left alone. Mm. Once they step out of the basement, these scratches have often proven to be all too real and all too bloody. <laughs> Recordings in the basement have taken a similarly dark turn, as unlike the fair, friendlier Sarah from the upper floors, and she's one Sorry, of the Sorry, what ghosts, was that again? The fair, friendlier Sarah from the upper floors. Fair, friendlier Sarah. That's oh, sorry, the far friendlier. <laughs> <laughs> far, far friendlier. Far friendlier. <laughs> oh, my God. The audio of the thing in the basement has come off more like a, a demonic and truly unwelcoming growling. I love you. There are some who are sceptical as to whether or not it's truly a demon that resides in the DeSoto's basement, but whether you consider that most residents choose to avoid this part of the hotel, it's better to be safe than sorry. So whatever the nature of the supernatural inhabitants of the DeSoto Hotel, it is undoubtedly a must-see location, well, maybe not now, for any supernatural enthusiast when travelling through El Paso. Go in with an open mind and the recording equipment of your choice and see what the DeSoto has to offer you. So I posted a question up um, to ask, what do you think? Because this was asked uh, when uh, I kind of posted this online. What do you think about ghosts staying if their residence burns down? Like if their, their, their haunt burns down Mm. or is bulldozed or a new block of apartments goes up, for example, do the ghosts stay or do they go elsewhere? Well, it's it depends on the type of haunting, I suppose. Is it a residual haunting of a a non-intelligent entity that was based on like the stone tape theory that it's because of the environmental conditions and it was um, in real life replayed so many times them doing that thing that was embedded into the environment. If that environment has now gone, surely that recording has been almost like deleted. Mm. But if it's intelligent. I don't know. Hmm. That, that's when they start to get a bit angry with you and throw things around saying, you've ruined my place. This is my home. That is true. That is true. So what did what did people say? I can't find it. I'll have to find it in a minute. <laughs> Look, what we'll do is we'll go to a song yes. and um, then we'll come back with my story. But it's not the Yowie story yet. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. Now, Renata, you've got the results of a poll that you put up. Yeah, look, I put up a little poll probably 15 minutes before we went on air and I asked the question uh, for tonight's radio show, if a house, hotel or a site or whatever is haunted and it gets removed or burns down, do the ghosts stay? And it was a simple answer, yes or no. And we actually got 55 votes of yes and three of no. Wow, that's quite overwhelming, isn't it? Yes, yes, interesting. So we might have a further conversation about that. Um, So one of our lovely listeners, Daniela, said, my opinion is they are attached to the land more so than the building uh, in the case of an intelligent spirit. If residual, probably because that space is where the recording would be held. Uh, Look at Copeland, for example. There is only the one house still standing in the forest, yet we hear and see so much that is associated with the building. 
uh, and when we talk, or when she's talking about Copeland, we're talking about the area out near Gloucester. Yes, where you run a fabulous ghost tour, accompanied by moi, uh, and we get to investigate the local museum where they've got all these artefacts, which are just, woo, and then we head out to the forest into Copeland, and we go into the old gold mining area. Yeah. Now, if we do have a little bit more time, I'll read some more uh, of the comments because they're awesome. But it's Thank my you, turn. Everyone. But it is your turn, yes. Yes. Now, at 8.30, we will go over onto our spirit chat. So if you've got questions, that's where we will answer it. Thank you to those people who have sent those questions in to 0490 But now, it's my turn for a little bit of an interesting story. Now, I picked this... This one, because it's from the Cotswolds in England. And Renata and I, in eight weeks tonight, will be in a motel ready to fly out to England the next day. That's so exciting. It's so exciting. Anyway, let me tell you, this is by Miss Tansy Kelly Robson. And I've taken this today from the Fortean Times. I do love the Fortean Times. They come up with some real cracker stuff. Uh, And we'll see if my voice holds up. It's uh, improving every week. My dad and I were celebrating some of lockdown being lifted by trying out his new car on a trip to the Cotswolds. It was late on a blustery night when we slowed down in Chipping Norton on the Oxfordshire borders with Gloucestershire to navigate the roundabout in a 20 mile per hour zone at the junction between A44 and the road to London. It was then we saw it. Something about the size of a large dog ran out right in front of the car, less than a couple of inches from the bumper, giving us no time to brake or stop. But there was no bump, no impact, nothing at all. Oh, spooky. Mm, while it was going on, I let out a, hey, look out, and spun round to discover what we'd hit seeing nothing at all in the rearview mirror or on the road behind or around us. My dad, meanwhile, was saying disbelievingly, you saw it too? As if he thought he'd imagined it. Clear as day, or as clear as a streetlight, the thing had been about three feet, which is about 90 centimetres, so three feet high and black, but insubstantial semi-transparent looking precisely like black ink swirling in water isn't that a great description yeah. um, and that made me lose my place and I kid you not flickering and contorting wildly a black shape moving quickly and phasing rapidly in and out of our dimension is the best way I can describe it That roundabout is very well lit by bright modern streetlights and that stretch is very clear even at midnight and also has extra lighting from the petrol station next to it. There was no mistaking what we saw running out in front of us. We just assumed we had to be mistaken because of its weirdness. We immediately went round the roundabout and back 
to look, trying to explain it in the terms of flickering shadows on the road cast by the streetlight through leaves or black bags, coils of bird meshing or a dog that had been lucky enough to duck under the car and not get hit. But... The road was empty, the pavements were clear, the shadows were distinct, there was no bags, no dogs, and no meshing. Ooh, that would have been a scary sight to see. That would have. I mean, my heart would have jumped out of my chest just at the thought that I was about to hit an animal. Yes. And I can't even imagine what you would have been like. I would have been screaming. You would have grabbed the steering wheel and probably probably (laughs) tried to rip it out of my hands. (laughs) It just brings me back to that night where um, on our last trip to England we were going to the ancient Ram Inn. And for whatever reason... It was Cotswolds again. For whatever reason... the GPS decided to take us in some sort of back way. I'm, I'm sure we went to the portal to the to Wathen de Fay or because something. I am sure that that road that we took doesn't even exist. Because um, we went back the same way the next day, we, like the same coordinates. We had to go back the other direction. We didn't go anywhere. Where that, we, that road no, didn't exist. No. We were going through people's backyards, I'm sure. <laughs> and the fog. Fog. <laughs> So thick. I needed a foghorn in front of the car. We were so scared we were laughing. I don't know whether you guys have ever been in that situation where you are so scared hysterical. that you get hysterical laughter. That's where we were at. And so we had tears rolling down our face from from laughter. Yeah. But our eyes were peeled. You could not see, you literally could not see half a metre in front of you. No. And you were you were going like 15 k's an hour. I, I was less than that. I was really crawling because... Well, the, each side of the car... We couldn't see outside the car. We it, couldn't see if there was a road there. But there were also like fences on each side of the car. Yeah, there was shrubs, and shrubbery. I, I swear we were going down people's backyards and things. It was it's incredible. It was a horrendous experience. And it was like our first, our first night. And we were in the jag... Oh, my gosh. Because I was terrified we were going to smash up the Jag. They put us in that beautiful big, um, uh, it was like a seven or eight seater massive oh, Jag. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. worth 150,000 pound or something. Yeah. We'll talk about upgrades. It scared me, that one. So we have <laughs> we have a, a little video as a memento. Oh, we do? Of, of that. We on might, YouTube? Yeah, we might put it up. No, it is. It's on YouTube, so um, we can uh, easily pop that up and people can. I don't think it's the foggiest bit because we were slightly beside ourselves at that well, moment. we thought that that was the foggiest bit when we actually recorded it, only to find that there, it got that, even there foggier. There was nothing compared to even what it foggier. got to. Um, I was yeah. l- truly, truly scared, way more scared than ghosts. Absolutely. And that says something about me, doesn't it? So that that just goes to show you guys that um, this this trip is going to be an absolute hoot. So you, you're going to have to jump onto our social pages and um, check out every single day because we'll be recording everything. We there will. will be no holds barred. It yep. will be raw. Yeah, and uh, we will be putting quite a few of these up onto YouTube as our misadventures. Misadventures. And now we reach the interactive part of our show where our wonderful para-stalkers, para-lurkers, grand poobars and spooksters get to ask their questions and Auntie Renata and Auntie Anne will answer it for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, we've got quite a few tonight, so... <coughs> 
Thank mm. you for all those people who have messaged in. And, uh, we, you know, tonight it was fabulous to get into the studio and find there was messages waiting for us. That brought the biggest smile to my face you could possibly imagine. It did. I witnessed it. <laughs> I had a little squeal, I will admit. And then I said, I sent all these messages out telling everyone to put their questions in early. It was what, good. Did, what did I say? I said, I've been playing Pokemon. <laughs> but that's good. No, that's good. Thank you all very, very much for sending your questions in because that makes the show awesome. Otherwise, we'd be sitting here yeah. twiddling our thumbs. Yeah, we'd have to make up things. So first question is from Dazza. And as I says, with psychic communication, how do you know the spirit you are communicating with is genuine and the person they claim to be? What an awesome question. What do you have to say about that, Miss Anne? Uh, you need to ask questions that only that entity would know the answer to. Um, and we use this technique when we hold seance. We will say to people, please do not tell us any information about uh, the entity or the person, loved one you are trying to contact. Uh, we will let you know if we need you to clarify something. And we will ask the the spirit or loved one to give the answer so <laughs> they'll say uh, they might ask a, a tricky question did you live at toronto and the spirit has to answer yes or no and they probably didn't live at toronto they lived at um swansea or something so they're, they're testing to see if they've got the right answer and it's okay to test but once once you've got an answer or two be respectful because they've given you the correct answers. Stop testing. Stop testing because that that then if that happened to me and you know I'll give you your proof. Don't five questions later still be saying prove it, prove it. I've proved it. Let's move on. Mm. And if you don't like the answers you're getting, close down the session. Mm. Yep. Got anything to add? Um, look, this is one of those hard ones, I think. Um, and even with mediumship, you're not always quite sure. Um, I always I always have these moments of doubt when I'm getting answers and um, sort of holding conversation and uh, I'm always asking the person that is alive, you know, does this make sense to validation. you? And, 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 you know, get some validation back. So um, this can be really hard for ghost hunters who, you know, they obviously don't have anyone uh, there that might know a particular um entity that is trying to communicate within a, a public site, for example. So I guess you've got to trust your intuition and just write down everything that you're hearing. Be discerning. And, yeah, and make a, a judgment call as to how you feel about what is going on. Well, we had an entity that was coming through last night at Miss Porter's house, which is normally such a delightful, calm environment. We, we got a passerby come through and they were saying the SL word... They just kept throwing out all this filth, and we just said, "Right, you're out." And we 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 gathered the the sisters who are uh, the residents of the house and said, "Could you please move these this entity outside? They can't seem to calm down." We've offered them help, and um, the people in the spirit box were saying, "Outside, outside!" And they were actually saying that they're moving this entity outside and got rid of them. Just remember, you're the ones that are always in control. Don't give your power over to anyone else. Now, Dessa continues, and thanks, Dessa, for this next question as well. Well, but how do you know other spirits don't know the answers? So why wouldn't then they be stepping up? 
Like why why this <coughs> these shenanigans on the other side? If there are other spirits that know the answers, why wouldn't they step up in the first place? Um, there's there's no real asked? no real necessity for games to be played, um, and it I guess it depends on on the situation and where you're at and what you're asking, what it is that you want to know, and what their purpose is in playing shenanigans and games with you. Um, are you in that type of environment where they would be doing that? Is that what they were like in life? Yeah, or are you in someone's home where you're really trying to get down to you know the the issue and trying to get a really you know resp- a response that is going to solve um, a question or a, an issue uh, and yeah you're getting a response there um, it's it's kind of like you know again, be in charge, as mm-hmm. Anne said. Be in charge, um, set the ground rules, and we really have not had too many problems at all with interference. No, we've we've had um, situations where uh, the the one entity will come onto the 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 board or the table that we're working with and try to hog the conversation. I'm thinking of your dad, Christy, and um, we, we just have to say to them, just can you please step aside? We'll give you some time at the end, mm-hmm. but right now we need some someone else to have a turn and they they generally do it don't they mm-hmm. they're pretty good mm-hmm. all yep. right what's next yep. um Catherine has um sent us a message evening Anne and renata big congratulations on your download map history oh, wasn't that fantastic <laughs> i downloaded the map of uh where true hauntings our podcast has reached and 40 46 percent of our audience is actually american and there's been in the last month six i think it was six thousand four hundred downloads of our true hauntings episodes and uh then we go right around the world and there's about 20 different countries we go to. It's that astounding. That blew my mind. It's astounding. Yeah. Norway, Denmark. Yeah. Papua New Guinea. No, not Papua New Guinea. Indonesia. Indonesia. India. There were so many from India. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, the Indians are um, really big fans of the paranormal. Yeah, and Saudi Arabia even. <laughs> oh, Saudi Arabia. I was, I was thrilled. Mm. Yes. And... Um, what it, was the question? Sorry. It, no, it, it has. Uh, thank you, Catherine, for um, sending in that congratulations. We're pretty chuffed at how the True Hornings podcast is going. Um, and uh, even while we are away on our trip, uh, we hope to have enough episodes up and ready so that you don't miss a week. Uh, and that's the most important thing. We love, this is our passion project. Oh, well, everything's our passion project. <laughs> this is our passion project, but True Hauntings... One day we'll actually start making money. Yeah, True, the True Hauntings <laughs> podcast is is our, our love baby. It is. It is our passion project. Yeah, we we're very proud of it. So much energy into researching and bringing those stories together. We do hope that you all love them. And we've got such an awesome amount of people who send us great messages back yeah. uh, to say they love the stories. Now, I've got another question here, and this is from Sasha V. Just wondering why some spirits choose to communicate when you are in a dream state. Because your conscious mind is out of the road. Basically, um, I know I'm very, very logical and I just 
will analyse everything. Like that time we had the three knocks on the door here in the studio, my conscious mind was all over that. I was trying to work out, was there someone in the studio? Could it have been this? Could it have been that? But when you're asleep, you've you've got that conscious mind out of the road so they're able to con- uh, contact you more directly. Is that how you feel? Yeah. And look, you know when a dream is strange and it seems to be more real than real and you wake up remembering it and you wake up remembering details. I had a dream last night of someone that I have literally not dreamt of in over 25 years and I said to my husband, I wonder if something has happened to that particular person because they entered into my dreams uh, last night out of the blue. Like I said, I haven't dreamt about them for over 25 years and so that sort of set me on the path of thinking, hmm, has anything actually happened to them that um, they are there? So note those dreams. They are important. There are always messages in the dreams that you have, and sometimes it is really just a download of of stuff that uh, has happened during the day and you haven't been able to process everything. And they're not always literal. Yep, they're not always literal. They are very, very symbolic at times, but the literal ones are the ones that you are talking about here, the ones that um, you seem to have where some person... Um, that may be passed or some message that is really, really important seems to talk to you uh, and the words that come through, you don't have to try and work out what they mean. They mean what they say. So it's, um, yeah, it's one of those amazing things. But sometimes, yeah, because we're just so hardwired to go, oh, that's rubbish. I just dreamt about that. And, oh, you know, it's just my mind doing something. We sometimes don't pay attention to the really important things that our dreams are saying to us. And keep the little journal and pen by <coughs> by your bed because I tell you, if you get up and you think, I'm going to remember this, I'm going to remember this, oh, it's gone. No. <laughs> You've got to write it down as soon as you wake up. Yeah, first thing, go to the toilet <coughs> or the worst thing in the world is grabbing your mobile phone Mm -hmm. unless you're going to write that dream down in your notes Mm -hmm. Um, it's gone (coughs) it's gone it's interrupted. Uh, Sky has written to us. Thank Hi, Sky. you, Sky. Uh, no question, just hello and supporting my favourite ladies and a fantastic show. Love Aww. you, Sky. Oh, thank you. That is so See, awesome. See, that's the sort of thing that just gives us a little lift. Awesome. And there's awesome, lots awesome. of me that needs a big lift. <laughs> yeah. I, s- I said to Renata, we need to start walking now. We, we need to get our fitness levels back up. And she looked at me and, and sworn. Now, um, Portable Tree has sent a message, but I'm not quite sure whether we can say it on air, Portable Tree. Um, but I'm sure it does have the same meaning. I'll just I'll just say that. Can I have a look? You can, you can have a look, but you can't say it. Right. Oh, right. Okay, we're talking about countries around the world. (laughs) Um, Yes, there's a a certain word that we can't say on air. (laughs) If we think of the word country, then you'll get the idea. All right, so Robert is uh, predicting that we might get some ghostly activity in the studio tonight. But it's always hard to hear because we do have to wear headphones. Mm -hmm. So it is hard to hear, although that night that we did get that knocking. Oh, yes. Yeah, there would that was we could hear that through the headphones. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe you still got Janet. I do still have Janet. Oh my gosh, I need her back. I'm yeah. getting lonely. Oh okay, I'm All missing right. her. Well, you can pick her up tonight if you want to. Okay. Or we can record True Hauntings tomorrow, and I can hold her in what do you call it as a hostage until we record <laughs> it. <laughs> 
talking about that, someone came to, uh, two people came to our last uh, ghost tour at Maitland Jail in mm-hmm. chains. This is true. They bought their own chains. Yes. There um, you go. You can ask a question about that. We're not going to tell you anymore. <laughs> but they actually bought chains with them. Yeah, they're, that's that's what I call being prepared. And they were, they were a group of – well, we were a bit confused because it said D&D. Yeah. And we thought, oh, they must play Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> oh, we were wrong. <laughs> we were wrong. And then I, I thought maybe they're a singles group like Desperate and Dateless or something like that. And it turned out they were, but it wasn't um, Desperate and Dateless. They had a far cooler name than that. They did. They did. Um, and they were so – so much fun. Oh, they were awesome. They Absolutely ha- awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what have we got coming up this week, Renata? Um, this week, um, <coughs> I have no idea. Wednesday we night. Oh, yes. Wednesday night we have our um, tarot show at uh, the Wyong Milk Factory. Uh, and don't worry, guys, if you've missed out on this one because it is booked out solid. Uh, We will be back next month with another one. Uh, Anne and I are going to be doing live tarot readings to our guests uh, and it's going to be a hoot. Only the style of Anne and Renata. Renata will be reading the tarot cards. She's very talented and gifted um, and she has studied these. It's taken her decades to (laughs) nail the meanings. It takes me a long time to learn anything. Whereas we created our own oracle cards. We did. They are the Naughty and Nice oracle cards they're frightfully good. They are av- available to purchase at frightfullygood.com. Mm-hmm. And I read those and I make it up as I go along. But they are intriguingly accurate. They are. They they are so profoundly accurate that sometimes we fall off our chairs and go, oh, my God, how accurate are these? Yeah, but they were channeled. They, they were channeled by our spirit guides. They were. They were. <laughs> and uh, do yourselves a favour and buy a packet um, they are as cheap as chips and they are on our uh, webpage. Yep, rightfullygood.com. And Robert said they weren't the people with the chains. They weren't called Alice in Chains, were they? <laughs> no, um, they weren't. But look, they use them as um, uh, irrecue trigger objects. So it, it actually worked really well. They were, they were quite good at thinking about that mm. and, and going into some of these cells with these chains on. So, hmm, very interesting. We've got a portable tree here saying, I think there were some words that get lost in translation. Plus, as Aussies, we talk fast. This is true. Hope you were able to stay on the Qantas Lounge in Japan. No, we are not allowed in the Qantas Lounge, apparently. Um, so, I practiced sleeping on the floor today to see what it felt like. Oh, no. And all my animals and dogs came over to me and they're sniffing at me and scratching at me going what are you doing what are you doing um so it's, it's just going to be really weird taking our pillows through yeah. and putting them through especially the, since um, i drool all over mine <laughs> through the um yeah, x-ray machines yep. and they'll I, say yeah. why are you taking your pillows through because we're going to be sleeping 18 hours on the floor of japan <laughs> <laughs> um also uh, portable tree mentioned that just think that when you go away janet's going to be left at home with your husband arik I know. Uh, look, I trust Janet with my soul. I'm, I'm sure she can have the mess in my house. Thank you very much. She can have my husband and have the mess in the house and pick up all the things off the floor because God love him, he can't bend over at the moment. Um, and so anytime anything drops on the floor, it just stays there until I come to pick it up. He has the claws that he can pick things up with. Yeah, sometimes they don't work. 
Oh dear. No. All right. So uh, Deborah Ann has got a question. Awesome. Where does the whole ghost shaking chains thing come from anyway? Oh well, this goes back right to the very first days of uh, ghost ghosts being recorded, and it was Pliny the first, I think, who actually recorded the first ghost story uh, or his um, his encounter with a ghost. And and Pliny wrote a lot of things. And he's around Aristotle's time or something, and, wasn't he? Yeah, and he, Pythagor- Pythagoras? He Pythagoras. went into this, this um, house, uh, and while he was there, he noted that he would hear chains rattling. And he started to write all of this down about this chain, these chains rattling until he actually saw this particular ghost and told him to pee off. Um, you can't be in my house because I'm here now. So he wasn't deterred by it, but it is one of the first recorded ghost stories um, or um, personal encounters ever and it does go back to Pliny P-L-I-N-Y and it's a long time ago a long time ago in Bethlehem and also because because people were um, incarcerated in chains, they were normally chained up in places like old castles and jails and things like that. The places we love to go to. Um, you tend to hear those chains rattle. Now, we've started booking our accommodation in various places in England, and we will tell you about those when we come back after the news. And Renata has a Yowie story for us, and then will be hotly followed by myself with my made-up Yowie story with Anne and Renata. And then we'll have Crispy with her magical moments. You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live Radio. Now, what do you think about Queen Camilla? Yes. Queen Liz has said, oh, I'm happy to have her called Queen. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how Do I know. feel about that because don't you don't, we don't really know what happened to Diana. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's another story. Yeah. We'll ask that's the we'll story. ask the Ouija board what happened to Diana. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get an answer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so many people have tried to connect with her oh, and no, they I say they half, have. Par- half paranormal probably got through. Oh, straight away. Straight away. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm starting off with my bunyip story that I didn't know Anne was doing a bunyip story. Trust me, it's not the same story. It's not the same story. And I kind of decided I'd do this because I was doing some research on a bunyip story that I'm going to do for the Spirit Realm Network on Friday when we talk to our um, American friends over there and I thought it would be very interesting to tell them a little bit about the Australian bunyip and um, I've actually found a story that's connected to Newcastle. There was a a sighting of a bunyip by three men at Hexham Swamp. (gasps) Oh, yes. yes. So you'll have to come with the Spirit Realm Network to listen to that because I'm not saying that tonight. But anyway, according to Aboriginal Australian folklore, the bunyip waits in billabongs and riverbeds for passing livestock to devour, as well as women and children. And it's really interesting that the, it's it only seems to like women and children. Doesn't really go for the men. Oh. I can understand that. Yeah. Well, Rumor- hang on. No, I don't go for women or children. I go for men, but, you know. <laughs> Rumour to lurk in the swamps, billabongs and creeks of Australia is none other than the bunyip, a cryptid with a cute little name but a terrifying appearance. 
amphibian-looking and almost entirely water-dwelling, the creature has been baffling residents and visitors to the Great Down Under for centuries. So this is one more thing we can scare our tourists with. Oh, yes, please, with the drop bears. Yes. The first reported sighting of this creature was in 1818 in New South Wales, And as most stories about cryptids, the tale has grown taller with each telling. Mm, Like the size of that fish that my husband caught. So much so, in fact, that even the word bunyip itself has been adopted into Australian slang. Yeah, I'm not sure about this bit. Bunyips and yowies are different, aren't they? Yeah, yes, yes. Yep. But the most interesting part of the Bunyip's entire legend is what it may have been based on in the first place, a harmless seal. Now, I don't know. I don't know about this. I really don't know. This comes um, from Bernadette Giacomazzo. Giacomazzo. Yep. And um, it was only published a, a few uh, days ago, actually. Um, have you, have you tested from, the facts? No, it comes from allthatsinteresting.com. So if you've got an issue, talk to them. <laughs> so the generally accepted view of the bunyip is that it's a miserable, smelly creature that – how do they know? How do they know it's miserable? Because they picked up its arm and smelt under its armpits. Obviously, Venata. But – Okay, smelly, but not miserable. Not miserable. You well, I'd be it miserable might, if somebody did that to me. It, it might be happy. Um, well, it's a miserable, smelly creature that lurks in deep, murky waters waiting for its unsuspecting prey to pass. Described as having a long neck, a round head, and a body like a manatee, the creature was said to make roaring noises before it devoured its prey. It's sort of a bit of a giveaway that they're coming to eat them, isn't it? Yeah. The prey, of course, was invariably human, and the bunyip was rumoured to prefer the taste of women and children. The English, uh, sorry, an English convict who escaped a penal colony near present-day Melbourne claimed to have seen the bunyip back in the early 1800s while living amongst the Aboriginal people. According to William Buckley's report, that's the same William Buckley where we get the... You've got Buckley's chance. Oh, yeah, Buckley's or none. Yep. The bunyip was an uh, extraordinary amphibious animal with grey feathers covering its back, and it indeed killed and devoured a woman from his adoptive community. But like most cryptids, people who have claimed to spot the mysterious creature are in large supply. But those who actually saw the bunyip and provided evidence of its existence to the same are few and far between. As such, the actual descriptions of the bunyip vary from person to person, and it goes without saying that the tale often grows with the telling. In some tales, it is a dog-like or seal-like creature. Bunyips have been described as being as big as a horse and as small as a dog. They may have flippers, fangs, tusks, one or two eyes, shaggy fur, (laughs) scales or horns. In other words, nobody really knows. No, descriptions of the animal's behaviour also vary wildly. Um, from a man-eating monster to a timid plant-eating creature that shies away from humans. Because of the wild, wildly varied accounts of the bunyip, today's scientists have all but definitively concluded that it does not exist. And that's a bit disappointing, to be sure. To be sure, to, to be, be sure. sure. 
So is the bunyip really just a seal? Since the 1800s, scientists have been trying to explain what the true origins of the bunyip could possibly be, and some scientists believe that the creature was little more than an Aboriginal cultural memory of now extinct animals like the diprotodon, or a big... Freaking huge furry wombat. Oh, right. A massive huge. Well, Sky is saying that she knows the curator from the Aboriginal Library from Sydney and can ask for some confirmation on these details. Oh, awesome. Because <laughs> I've got more details, Sky. Oh, I bet you have. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to... Um, yeah, give them all out to our American friends on Friday. And I'd like to know the truth because I haven't seen a bunyip. Portable Tree reckons this is a wannabe author. <laughs> so, um, yes. Did I make you lose your place? No. Oh. Uh, The most commonly accepted explanation for the creature was provided in 1933 by an Australian geologist named Charles Fenner. Fenner paid close attention to the description of a creature with a long neck, round head and a body (coughs) like a manatee and came to a pretty simple conclusion in his world-renowned book Bunyips and Billabongs. Never heard of it. The cryptid was likely based on the southern elephant seals and leopard seals that frequently made their way up the Murray and Darling River. Ah, and of course they never would have seen anything like that before, so of course it's got to be a a crazy wild creature. Well, the thing is that um, with the uh, Europeans that were coming through um, in those early days, every single creature they saw would have been outrageous. Yes, I mean, kangaroo. Yeah, what the hell is that? Yeah. A cockatoo. Yeah, and the... the It's going to kill me. Wombat. Oh, the wombat. Just a giant block of sandstone there. Don't, yeah, don't ever hit a wombat. <laughs> They'll wreck your car. It's Australia's dog. <laughs> um, who is that? That's Catherine said that with that bunyip description, they're a keeper. <laughs> and uh, when you look at the early, fo- uh, early photos, early um, drawings of the bunyip, they're hilarious. Okay, we know that you've been waiting for this all night. We can't keep you any longer away. You go in. And she gave me a five-minute song and cut half my time out. All right. So this is our ghostwriter story. Here is the information one more time that I programmed in. Paranormal investigators Renata and Anne have been called to deal with a mystery in Tamworth, New South Wales. There have been sightings of what is possibly a Yowie that locals have named Karen. It seems that Karen the Yowie has developed an attraction to photos of Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Wherever there is a poster of Scott Morrison, you will find weird scratches and the smell of urine and feces, which is a sign that a Yowie wants to mate. Renata and Anne must swing into action and deal with the alleged Yowie as Scott Morrison is planning to visit the town of Tamworth in just three days. Entered all of that into our ghostwriter. Pressed enter. Hang on to your panties. <laughs> You've got your, your lines, Renata? I have. All right. Okay. Renata and Anne were used to dealing with the weird and the strange. They were paranormal investigators and had seen it all. But even they were taken aback when they were called to Tamworth, New South Wales, due to reports of a Yowie, a cryptid, said to resemble a large hairy man. The locals had named the creature 
Karen, and it seemed that she had developed an attraction to photos of Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Wherever, wherever there was a poster or photo of him, you would find weird scratches and the smell of urine and feces, the sign that a Yowie wanted to mate. Renata and Anne knew that they needed to act fast. Scott Morrison was planning to visit the town in just three days. They knew that if Karen the Yowie got sent to Scott Morrison, there would be trouble. Renata and Anne often found Yowies to be violent creatures, especially when they were in mating season. Yowie researcher Bradley Scott had actually been killed by one of them before Renata joined the Yowie research team. See YR2 for more information about Dr. Scott's death. By the way, I did go and research to see if there is somebody called Brad- Bradley Scott. There's not. <laughs> It's hilarious. And I think the the YR2 refers to the Yowie research team. Mm -hmm. All right. Keep going. Renata and Anne caught a train to Tamworth. We couldn't drive. We we didn't get the the Corolla, the hire car, (laughs) ready to confront Karen the Yowie. They arrived in Tamworth at 9am on a Sunday morning. No way. (laughs) So it was time for breakfast at their hotel. The hotel didn't have any bacon rashes in the kitchen. Pumpkin scones, <laughs> which are just as good. No, they're not. Yeah, he's supposed to hate pumpkin scones due to the unnatural colour of the pastry. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've got a yowie with an Australian Prime Minister fetish. Renata sat back in her chair and let out a... At least it's not as bad as the yowie that was attracted to my sister's boyfriend, Mark. (laughs) Renata's sister, Anne, had been dating Scott Morrison's grandson, Mark. (laughs) So now I'm your sister and I've been dating Scott Morrison's grandson... Mark, until he came across a Yowie who developed a crush on him. The Yowie followed him everywhere, leaving gifts of koalas and bush flowers. (laughs) Oh, how gorgeous is that? How can you say no? (laughs) What made things worse is that said Yowie hid itself in a secret cave during the day, emerging only at night to stalk her prey. Mark still hadn't forgiven his grandfather, or more specifically Australia, uh-huh. for what happened. Yowie attacks are rarely referred to as Yowie attacks, rather Yowie-related incidents or Yowie situations. <laughs> We've got a Yowie situation. I know, it's like even trying to be politically correct. I think that's funny. <sighs> I'm, look, I'm, I apologise for what's going to come out here shortly. The Yowies have been around since the beginning of time and were actually quite fond of humans, except when they got in the way of mating season. Yowies looked like massive hairy men with large claws that looked like tree branches. Bradley Scott had theorised that they used these to climb trees. Uh, Whenever... I'm just trying to hold it together. Right. Whenever a Yowie wanted to mate with someone who wasn't its intended target, it would ejaculate copious amounts of feces onto them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Which is very disgusting. After this ritual, the Yowie would normally leave its victim alone. <laughs> Okay. Yowies have a good sense of smell and can tell if someone is on the Yowies to-do list or not. <laughs> Deborah Ann says this, sh- this could be a graphic novel. <laughs> oh, my God. 
God. Okay. Now that the Yowies had a taste for politicians, it would be even harder to deal with them. Yowies were known to go out of their way to set politicians up for embarrassing photo opportunities, such as what happened to Scott Morrison when he couldn't work out how to use a self-service checkout machine. detail does this thing go into? I know. Where does it get its information from? Yowies also like politicians' photos because they look like family members who had gone missing. (laughs) Right. This reminded Yowies about mating season, which is why Yowies' attacks were more common in wintertime. Okay. Obviously. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yep. Right, Renata and Anne, so we've had breakfast. Renata yep. and Anne stop for some light refreshments. We're just eating our way through this. <laughs> it's about right. Uh, they stop for some light refreshments at the Yowie House, which was a Yowie-themed restaurant where they could eat Yowie burgers, Yowie skewers. Yowies, Yowies were known to steal human food, especially things that had bright colours. Yowies are very fussy creatures when it comes to what they eat. They have very picky tastes due to their sensitive noses being so powerful. Yes. Which is why they ejaculate masses of feces on people. (laughs) Well, they want to make them smell like something that they would like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Yowies of Tamworth, New South Wales, even have a website called (laughs) www.tamworthyowies.com. I did check. It doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. <laughs> Thank God. Where locals could chat about sightings of the mysterious cryptid. Uh-huh. That night, Renata and Anne snuck, snuck into Wongadilla National Park. W- Wonga who? Wongadilla. Right. Hoping to find Karen before she did any damage. Mm-hmm. Yowies can be stupid creatures. So Renata and Anne were hopeful that they would find Karen before she found her yowie crush. Yowies became easily distracted and very clumsy when mating season was near. Yowies love bananas too. And this is what Yowie researchers refer to as a Yow banana situation. Right, Renata and Anne carefully traversed the park, trying to avoid making any noise that might alert Karen to their presence. Yowies are very sensitive creatures who are scared of technology. Luckily, Renata had brought her dictaphone with her in case she needed it later on. But they can use the... They've got a website. You brought your dictaphone with you. (laughs) Did you hear that? Yes, I did. A dictaphone. Yes, I did. did. Yowies also hate camera flashes, which is why there's no night vision cameras anywhere in the National Park. Right. Night vision cameras don't use flashes. Uh, Yowies also hate the song... Wombling Merry Christmas, which is why Yowie researchers include it on their playlists. Yowies only come out at night, and this is when Yowie hunters like Renata and Anne come out to play. Right. Okay. Wombling Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Renata and Anne finally found Karen sleeping soundly with her tree branch like claws, holding up a photo of Scott Morrison. Yowies love all politicians, but they prefer ones who look like their family members who have gone missing. For example, Scott Morrison and Peter Dutton. <laughs> okay. Remember, I've put no input into this apart from just pressing enter. Mm-hmm. Yowies normally stay away from humans most of the time because we don't taste very good. Except in mating season when yowies crave our flesh like candied yow-yow. Yow-yow is yowie talk for yowie's favourite treats, which are little hard candies with bits in them. Yow-yow tastes amazing when dipped in honey. (laughs) Right? 
Oh, nearly there. Uh, everyone wants a movie made out of this. Just yep. keep going. Yep. Renata and Anne were careful, uh, were able to carefully avoid Scott Morrison's photo from Karen's claws without waking her up. <sighs> what would have happened if Karen had woken up before Renata and Anne could get away? Well, Yowies yeah, yeah, are very territorial creatures who enjoy eating people just because they wanted to play a game of cricket once upon a time. <laughs> so it would have been really bad news if Renata and Anne had woken, uh, woken her up. Yowies may not look like much, but you don't want to go poking yowies with a yowie stick. <laughs> no. Renata and Anne quickly ran away from the area, taking Scott Morrison's photo with them. One of Karen's favourite hobbies was scratching posters off walls. A few years ago, Karen scratched Sally Betts' face off her poster because she found out that Sally was actually an alien poster called Sally. Instead, (laughs) Yowie researchers believe that the Yowies are very good at swapping people around, much to our surprise. They are known to make weird sounds, which they sound. Hang on, they they are known to make weird sounds, which sound like they go mum 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 mum. Yowies are not very nice creatures. Renata and Anne were able to return Scott Morrison's photo safely back to Tamworth Police Station, where they would make sure it was locked up until Karen went into mating season again. Yowie mating season only lasts for about two days, but Yowie hunters like Renata and Anne always make sure to stay one step ahead of them. Yowies may be stupid, but they are still animals with sharp claws and teeth. Yowie hunter heroes always bring their Yowie cages just in case. Yowies can't resist the call of catnip either. If you don't know what that is, you should probably look it up on Google after we- reading this Yowie yarn. <laughs> this is what it's written. Yowies have a history of being very naughty and going around scratching things, especially Yow Yow. Yow Yow is Yowie talk for Yowie's favourite treat, which is a little hard candy with bits in them. <laughs> Yowie researchers always bring extra Yowie bananas on their hunting expeditions just in case they come across hungry Yowies who might want to play a game of cricket. What will happen next for (laughs) Renata and Anne? Find out when you tune in next time for another episode of The Paranormal Case Files of Renata and Anne. And have we composed ourselves after the last story? Not quite. I'm still giggling. <laughs> oh, the Yowie researchers will never forgive us. I know. I, I had thoughts while I was um, reading it, thinking if somebody gets hold of some of these stories and starts to think that this is truth about Yowies, then we're going to have a whole book written about how Yowies ejaculate poo on you before they mate. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that yet again, Anne. <laughs> I think that might be crispy. Oh, hello, Miss Christy. Can you just can you give us a piece of um, sensibility here right now? So we're talking to the beautiful Christy from Spells and Spirits, who's going to talk a little bit about a beautiful crystal that she has for sale right now, and more. So, hello, Christy. Hello. I've now composed myself. Thank you. I won't talk. I think yeah, that might no. be safer. No. No. <laughs> so tonight I want to talk about Amazonite. Good. And Amazonite is a beautiful crystal known for its um, healing and its prosperity aspects. And it's this beautiful blue-green colour. It is beautiful. grey inclusions. And yeah, it's just the colour of it just reminds you of tranquil waters and beaches. It's mm-hmm. just beautiful. Mm-hmm. But a little bit of the history of it. So um, over the ages, it's been used in jewellery or cutting to beads. 
um, from the earliest times of actually the Mesopotamian cultures. Can you say that again? (laughs) Mesopotamian. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been well known in India, Egypt and Sudan. Um, and it was popular as an amulet stone and it was once actually used to decorate um, the facades of buildings. Oh, okay. Yes, and it was actually carved and cut into tablets for the Egyptian funerary text, the Book of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And an Amazonite, Amazonite scarab ring was actually found amongst Tutankhamun's treasures. Oh. Yes, and also known in South America, Central Central American cultures, so the mythical 10th century warrior women, the Amazonian women, they adorned their shields with Amazonites. I'm sure I'm a direct descendant from one of those. I am not. I don't <laughs> like the height regulations. <laughs> but Amazonite is known as the gambler's stone, so encouraging good luck and fortune. Oh, give me a bucket load. <laughs> yeah. So you can make, you can put it in a pouch or you can adorn your author. Alter with it. Words um, is hard. Yes, tonight it is. And add some cinnamon and basil to help manifest money, luck, or overall success. Oh. I'm buying one. Just yeah. let you know. Have Save one okay. for me. All right. But on a healing note, the amazing, the blue-green colour of the stone, like I said, is it's really soothing on the nervous system, aiding in soothing our emotions. So that colour, like tranquil water, um, helps soothing tense and aggravating situations, making it an ideal stone to work with post-mercury retrograde. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, I think I'm tuning into everyone on that one. Mm-hmm. It's also a stone linked with the throat and heart chakra. Mm-hmm. So if you feel the need to call your, clear your throat chakra by calling people sacred bushes. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Out in the country. Amazonite, yes. So Amazonite is really good to soothe those emotions and to actually promote loving communication. Oh, nice. With that. So, so many uses. Great. Renata needs I that know. sometimes. I do. Yes. But it's great for trauma, fatigue, and anything that takes energy from us. It also aids in concentration and completing projects on time. Thinking of you, Renata, right now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And Remembering to right. put links in. <laughs> it also allows you to speak and live your truth for the highest good. So it assists you in gaining that self-knowledge and, you know, defining your core beliefs and values. Take my money. Um, yes. And lastly, Amazonite empowers you to manifest your dreams and desires. So we have the 22222 portal coming Ooh. this month. Oh, we do. We have to book somewhere good that day. 22222. Yeah. yeah, so it's time to put thought and intention into what you want to manifest during this time. Now, I will let you know on Spells and Spirits that all my magical herbs are on sale for the month of February. Ooh. 15% off. Ooh. Just need to use the code HERBS22222. Oh, two, 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 two. So it's five lots of twos. Mm -hmm. That's five twos. So, yeah, so the Sunday leading up to it, um, we'll have a chat about what we can actually do on that two, 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 two day. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days we've got to get you into the studio with us to do a show (laughs) and we'll we'll do a a spell bag or something fun. Yes, yes. Yes, we'll, we'll yes. do some craft. <laughs> now, you have these beautiful 
Amazonites on sale. And these ones that you have are really different. Uh, I haven't seen them uh, anywhere else like the ones that you have, and they are a flame shape. Oh, the flame yes, ones? The flame ones. They're flame and they're fully polished, so they're not rough cut at all. Um, and they're only $30. Oh, oh wow. Now, put one away for me. I'm, begin- I'm getting one. I'm getting one. Okay. I will intuitively choose one for you. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and so these are available from Spells and Spirits. So my suggestion is, guys, get onto Spells and Spirits and uh, order yourself one now. She doesn't have that many of them. So they are um, just a, a few that are available. So you need to get in quick to order yours. And $30 for a big chunk of Amazonite is an amazing price. Correct. Correct. And you've got all your herbs and everything as well on sale. 15% off? That's correct. Awesome. Fantastic. Now, any any piece of advice over the next week for us, Christy? Look, we're still, Mercury's still in shadow, so just be careful with your communication. Maybe hold your tongue a little bit if you're feeling a little bit heated. Oh, no. But there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of unrest and a little bit of angry energy through through the collective at the moment so um you know don't don't let it roll you all up Mm -hmm. just yeah just hold your tongue and just let 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 it go for unless it really crosses your boundaries of course speak up um but those little niggly things just let them go this week and just before we leave you do you have any special books that um, you I'm checking out her Amazon any book that you have that you would recommend that is in um, your collection at the moment that you have for sale well there is and it just arrived today so I'll be loading it up but it's called the original Rider right Wake, the pictorial key to the tarot. Of oh, the Rider Wake. Yes. Wow. I actually have that, and I can say to people that that is a fantastic book. Like, it's nearly 400 pages. I know, it's huge. Is that the one that we saw up in the Blue Mountains that was one of the original copies of the white leather? No. That's no, a different no, book? No, no. That was crazy, I, I that was one. actually gifted... Um, that was, was like $10,000. gifted it for Christmas, and um, <coughs> it is a sensational book for anyone who wants to study tarot. Yes. Awesome. Well, so thank- I'll be putting up on that website as soon as I hang up from you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Christy, and I hope that um, people are sending their orders through right now to you because um, I know the crystals that you have are amazingly uh, well-priced and really worth it. So thank you again. Yeah, thanks, Crispy. Thank no worries. See you on Friday night at Maitland Trail. Oh, I've got Percy for you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. So we've just been checking our calendar and we realise that we are on the day before Valentine's Day next week. Yes. So just prepare yourselves I have for to get a, very, beauty sleep. a very lovey-dovey spooky Sundays, mm. all hearts and flowers no. and chocolate <laughs> and all of that sort of stuff. So we'll find some spooky oh, Valentine stories for you. there'll be chocolate you? waiting in the studio for us and flowers. You know. No. 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 All right. So we're going to wrap up with some final comments from all of our beautiful listeners. Um, yeah. And Deborah, and you are right. The sound of a horny koala for the first Europeans would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. That scream that they do is mm-hmm. just 
awful. Mm-hmm. But she did say with these stories that we're coming up with that she could see them being made into a cartoon or a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jody said the details on are on a whole other level. Yes. That... Like coming up with websites and Dr. Bradley Scott and um, it had references and I left out some of them saying, yeah, refer back to the journal of such mm-hmm, and such. Mm-hmm. Bloody hell. Um, so the story is epic. I can see a blockbuster Australian movie in the making. Mm-hmm. As long as it stars us, it's fine. <laughs> and huge Ackman. H- huge. Oh, huge Ackman. Oh, please. Oh, oh. can he be the Yowie? Oh, he can be anything he wants to be. As long as he doesn't ejaculate poo on people, I'm fine. Um and, and uh, Portable Tree saying, at least we didn't have suddenly, suddenly, <laughs> suddenly like we did last time. Yes. Jess said it was very highly random. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Maxine uh, likes the song. She said her older sister's favourite singer. We were singing along here as well. I love. I love Kate Bush. I'll have to bring all my stuff out and listen to her again now. Like what? You've got vinyls or something? I, I have every single song she has ever created. Yeah. I'm a, a true Kate Bush aficionado. And uh, Catherine said, oh, my God, Yowies and Babushka, my night is now complete. I oh, know. Thank you very much. It's okay. Send flowers. So um, just a, a few things that we have coming up in February. Uh, most definitely we still have uh, room on our Gloucester Tops Ghost Walk coming up on the 19th of February uh, where we take you uh, to the Gloucester Museum to start our tour and then after experiencing that we go for a quick jaunt out to Gloucester Tops. It's only a 20-minute drive and we take you deep into the forest where the Yowies live. And we listen to the possum screech. (laughs) And we do awesome uh, experiments out there uh, to get into in touch with uh, any of the souls and spirits that are still lingering out near the gold mine site. Uh, And it's an extraordinary experience uh, when we are very, very lucky to be able to do that and um, bring that to you all. And then on the 26th of February, we are back at Stroud. Oh, are we back at Stroud? Oh, I love Stroud. We had to cancel a few of these because of COVID last year so we have not been there for quite some time and uh, in Stroud we go to the courthouse (coughs) and we go through the small cemetery there on the main street Mm -hmm. with permission of the township with permission of the township and we also go into Quamby and Quamby House is just amazing it's an amazing site it's now a museum but it used to be a schoolhouse and it has never had uh, electricity or running water that sort of like my mind doesn't quite comprehend that. Yeah, and a family was raised in there. A woman raised her whole family in there without electricity and running water. And they used to have a schoolhouse in there. Absolutely. So the kids had to go out, run out to the long drop. Yeah. Jeez, I'm spoilt. I am such a princess. So we still have uh, tickets available for the 19th uh, at Gloucester Tops and the 26th of February for Stroud. Uh, And then uh, we also have our next Wallumbai walk on March the 4th, which is a Friday night. And uh, Wallumbai just keeps on giving. Yeah, it does. It's very generous. But there is one important thing you've left out, Renata. What? 
Norfolk Island. <gasps> Norfolk Island. Now, we are heading to Norfolk Island in May. Now, the first weekend sold out pretty quickly. So what we did is we decided we're already there um, and we were going to stay and do one of our tarot shows for the, the locals during the week. Um, we thought we'll just fly out a little bit later. So we have offered a second weekend. Uh, at the moment, I think we've got eight or ten people on that one. So we have room for another 10 people so that's the 27th to the 30th of may um and i i think it's 599 dollars for the weekend per person that includes uh car hire per room Mm -hmm. this is based on twin share Mm -hmm. uh all your food Mm -hmm. all of your food uh and also ghost tours Mm -hmm. every night Mm -hmm. uh some tours during the day it's it's a beautiful weekend all through Liz McCoy over there who is our Norfolk correspondent uh, so if you are interested in that please head over to the Anne and Renata Frightfully Good page and send us a message from there you will have the best time and Norfolk Island is supposed to be one of the most haunted islands in the world the the tragic convict history that's there and we get to go into the duplex which still scares me mm. It, yeah, it's, it's pretty scary at night out yeah. there. And we get to walk through the cemetery. We do, once again, with the blessing of the locals. Mm. All right, we're going to leave you guys uh, with the last song and coming up to the news at 10 o'clock. Thank you once again for being with us and being so loyal and supportive. Uh, we will be here next week with some lovey lovey stuff. I think I might do a trash and treasure next week yeah. instead of a weird story. Something, something. That touches the heart. Okay. Well, it's Valentine's Day. I'll have Absolutely. to find something about love. Absolutely. So thank you from Anne and myself. Um, we hope you have a good week ahead. And we're going to leave you with Duran Duran, Hungry Like a Wolf. Bye, everyone. Most mysteries can be solved by looking at the facts. But sometimes the facts don't give us the answer. So it's time to call in Anne and Renata. Spooky Sundays, when the truth lies beyond a logical answer. Dive deep into the world of the unknown with real ghost stories and the unexplainable. Sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. It's Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Sunday from 8pm, only on Newcastle Live.